Welcome to episode two of the Not Your Mama's Autism podcast. I'm Lola Dada Ali. In episode one, we explored the genesis of our story. My baby brother, Kunai, now a man living with autism and an intellectual disability. In episode two, we will first talk about another kind of genesis, the start of a union that would produce not just one baby with autism, but two. Maybe because I had to take on some caretaking duties of a loved one pretty early on in life, I was never really one to fall for the Hollywood version of love. You know, the romantic comedy variety, the type where your partner was never unpleasant or sick or real. Because of these earlier childhood experiences, I knew from a pretty early age that real love would have to include resilience and some commitment to staying the course. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the 2003 movie Love Actually, but to me, it's a classic. There was a character I could really relate to named Sarah. She was a young woman who had a brother she was very close to by the name of Michael. He lives with a mental illness in the movie. He relies on his sister for comfort and often needs her when he's experiencing particularly serious mental breaks. Without giving too much away, for those who haven't seen the movie but want to, there's a particular scene that brings home the point that family obligations of this variety can get in the way of finding romantic love. Sarah was on the verge of spending quality time with the man she had had a crush on for quite a while. But then her brother needed her, and she once again chose the role of caretaker over her own wants, dreams, and desires. Watching the movie, particularly that scene, reminded me that falling in love with the potential mate is the easy part. The challenging part is finding a mate that is comfortable enough to love family members whose society isn't really known for prioritizing, particularly people that your mate may have never previously been exposed to. I remember being a young woman watching this movie and thinking, yep, that's me. My brother and I come as a package deal, just like Sarah and Michael. So if I shock myself and actually get married, it would need to be to a man who would be willing to care for my brother, even if I'm no longer around. I laughed at that concept, getting married, not knowing that God was laughing harder. You see, about three years after that pronouncement, I'd be engaged and planning a big, fat Nigerian wedding. Once I was nearing the end of law school, my mom, as many Nigerian moms of her generation often did, took it upon herself to start matchmaking me with potential suitors. She went about this quest with absolutely zero regard, zero regard to who I would actually like, potential shared interest, you name it. So I continued to disappoint her with my various forms of no thanks, mom. As mom was on her own mission, I walked into a gym that shall not be named right outside D.C. in Maryland and was working out. I will now let my husband, Tosa Ali, tell you in his own words how we met. But because I believe that you should all get the full, robust, 
and real origin story, I may or may not put voiceovers over parts where I disagree with his accounts. It's only fair. Well, we met 2006, February. I had just um, been told I, I was working for a fitness um, company at that time, and I went to their location in D.C., uh, for some training seminars or something of that nature. I, I can't remember quite wh what it was about. Um, and I remember while I was waiting for the training seminars to start, um, sitting on my, um, sipping on my mint mocha, iced green mocha latte. I still remember the drink. Noticing a young lady bench pressing, you know, on a 45 bar with two 45-pound plates, you know, uh, one on each side, and you were doing three sets of 10, if I remember. And my initial, my immediate thought was, that is heavy for three sets of 10, which should not be a heavy set. And in my capacity as a personal trainer, always hoping to make the client better or the members better, walked over to you and proceeded to, in my professional opinion, give you um, instructions that you are lifting too heavy. And your response back was, and I quote, I played college basketball for four years. I think I know how to lift. Thank you very much. For the record, the quote was not quite accurate. I wasn't in the mood to be mansplained. Actually, I said, I played college basketball. I know how to lift properly. I don't need your help. Thanks. I'm going to how long I played for. Yada, yada, yada. Just for the record. To which I calmly replied, okay. Went back to sipping my tea and uh, walked away. I do not recall Tosan simply just saying, okay. He said something more to the effect like, hmm. So, as he walked away, I realized that perhaps I was a bit too curt. And I think at this point, you realized one of two things or both at the same time. You went, dang, he's hot. Or, and or, B, that was harsh. At the time, again, for the record, I was more along the line of, oh, that might have been too harsh. And proceeded to walk over to me and asked me uh, if I could help you, um, I could spot you while you were lifting. And, of course, not one to take offense too long, you know, went ahead and uh, uh, helped you finish your set. And we started talking, realized you were Nigerian, talked about, you know, basketball, culture, uh, we had just met, but I think we talked for almost an hour and a half or two hours, you know, doing random workouts in between and just talking um, and exchanged numbers. And uh, a year and a half, two years later, we were married and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. By U.S. statute and constitution, I can't quote the wow. statute right now. Wow. My version is the legitimate source wow. of record. Gary, no, Gary. no said statute exists. Let's agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. It's good to be all lovey-dovey. I am all for it. 
But marriage is true partnership through the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. Will this guy, this guy I've fallen in love with now, embrace my brother? I knew that this relationship was not like the previous ones. I knew that this was getting pretty serious pretty quickly. It was time to have the talk. It was time to give him the full story on Kunle and watch his reaction. Truth be told, and I, I consider myself even back then as somebody who knew a lot of stuff, you know, trivia and just facts and stuff. But I didn't know much, if anything at all, about autism. So um, when you told me BK was, uh, you know, had autism and had uh, the diagnosis, I did what I, you know, what I have been trained to do is just, you know, go figure out what the heck that means, you know, do some research and try and kind of like study for my own as to what that means. Like you said, we, this was just before we got quote unquote serious. I think we, we were already a little bit deep along, you know, along that road already. But this would have been maybe our third date or so that the A word came up. And in researching, um, again, you, you, you found, found out that there's, oh, there's a lot of stuff about autism. There's not a lot of clarity that existed, at least that I could find, you know, 13 years ago. But as you're doing the research, you know, your question did a lot of research as much as I could, asked you questions, and you are you are open and upfront as to what that means. You know, fast forward ten years down the road, twenty years down the road, the responsibility you've been the oldest child and the only girl. And I would love to say, and I gallantly went, I accept the challenge and what have you. Um, but part of that was probably uh egged on by the fact that I was already head over heels by then. So, you know, for better, for worse, come what may. Okay. So far, so good. He showed real interest, intellectual curiosity to know more, and what seemed like genuine compassion. I graduated from law school. We continued dating and we were engaged soon after. I needed to see how natural it was for him to take care of someone else. It's not an easy decision to choose a life partner, someone who you hope would stay a life partner, obviously. Part of my value system involves not only how you love me, but how you love the most vulnerable member of my family. So met BK officially Thanksgiving weekend of uh, 2006. And my first impression was, you know, he's a big dude. He's a stocky dude, surprisingly light on his feet for uh, a big guy. So you had already kind of told me that uh, Kunle has his, a routine of when he meets a new person was to, is to hold the person's hand. And, you know, I made sure not to wear any strong cologne of any kind. I'm not a strong cologne person anyway, but just so that, you know, he doesn't get hit with smells or what have you. And I remember when I took his hand... The thought in my head was, <laughs> these hands are heavy. And you could see the look of, not confusion, of curiosity on his face. It was obvious I was not part of the crew. I wasn't part of the family. And I wasn't a friend that he 
had met any time in the past. So there was a hesitation and a look of curiosity as he was trying to make make out what is it about this guy that everyone else is obviously happy to see and excited about. Uh, what makes this makes this guy guy different. If I remember clearly, he after the initial handshake, kind of stayed that first day stayed away from me a bit, stayed more in his room. Anytime I tried to come there, kind of gave me a look like, uh, you know, stay in your lane, we ain't that cool yet. But yeah, that, that, for those, that was the first impression. Again, so far so good. I was watching his every move that visit. Did he genuinely feel comfortable? I had plenty of experience watching people recoil as they watched my brother simply be himself. Some people were more overt in their disgust. Some attempted civility intact, but it would eventually manifest itself in the slightest gesture or comment. Although Tosan was passing the test so far, I didn't tell him this at the time, but I knew that Kunlai would test him in some way. I'm sure Wale, my other brother and the middle child, would test him as well. But I know that Kunlai's test would be one all his own. I didn't know when during this holiday weekend visit it would happen, but it would happen. Tosa was new to the Dada family fold at the time. So I believed that some sort of test would be Kunle's way of checking to see if Tosa was right for the job. About the testing. So one one of the things that I did um, when we, the first time meeting, I made sure I had, so Kunle likes burgers. And I made sure I had the burgers in my hand and I was the one offering him, giving it to him when we came into the house, you know, almost like a, a peace offering, like, hey, you know, I, I really want you to like me. And, and, and go off on a slight tangent where, you know, a lot of people might think, no, the person you should be trying to impress is Wally, the neurotypical brother and your parents, obviously. I went into uh, that visit, that Thanksgiving visit, with the mindset that, you know, I, I want BK to like me. So uh, fast forward, uh, you know, the next day, we were trying to cut Kunle's nails. Mama and Papa being more advanced in age, anytime Wale comes home and or you and or me come home, we, they, we always try and take advantage of doing as much with Kunle as possible because now they have the, the manpower and the muscle power to be able to uh, take care of him and handle uh, certain things. Kunle doesn't like his nails being cut. So we were trying to cut Kunle's nails. And it was me and Wale. Here I was, six foot four, 220 pounds, still in you know my personal training shape, pre-corporate America decently strong i i think and wale is a nfl football player so what better pairing uh, to take on bk and we had kunle cornered right by his room trying to get you know one of us holding his hands while the other one tries to clip the nails and kunle was getting now looking back knowing what i know about autism now probably shouldn't have cornered him kunle was getting aggravated and frustrated and one thing um i had been told you had warned me about was when he lifts his hand above his head and claps rapidly that's usually a sign that he's getting aggravated and frustrated and he did exactly that and wale knowing knowing better backed up i didn't back up as quickly and kunle came for me and for 
it felt like more than five, it must have just been five, 10 seconds. Me and Kunli are locked in this arms, arms, both arms holding each other. And he's leaning, trying to get me to yield or give ground. And I didn't. And like I said, it felt like a long time, but maybe five, 10 seconds. And after 10 seconds of me holding my ground, you could see the look on his face as he kind of realizes almost like a hierarchy slash a test had been passed slash, okay, maybe some respect had been won. And he let go and was actually calm for the rest of the nail cutting experience because we were able to get it done. But ever since that day, there was a shift in acceptance, a, a subtle respect, acceptance, like, okay, you might not be all that bad, dude. And maybe even something I'd like to think you could protect my sister, you know, at least physically, maybe. But that was uh, interesting. I also remember Wale laughing <laughs> after that <laughs> because he also could look like he realized what was going on. Like, okay, you have been tested. 13 years later, you know, history, as they say, the rest is history. Recounting this time with Tosam really made me start wondering if others were having these type of conversations. They had to be. When you find a potential mate, the special needs talk would have to come up in some way, shape, or form. About a year ago, I met Christy, a fellow mom at the local school our kids both attended. We had lunch one day, and we discovered that we both had siblings with special needs. So for this episode, I asked Christy and her husband, Jim, about her brother's specific needs and her family's long-term care plans. My brother is my older brother. He's two years older than I am. His name is Scott. And uh, I'll probably substitute calling him Scotty Bug because I still call him by his pet name from childhood. Um, he has Down syndrome. And there's a pretty broad range of, of um, life functioning in the Down syndrome category. And Scott is, when he, when he was born, he was born with the three bones in his ears fused together. And so he was born Downs and he was born with these, this other completely separate medical problem, but he didn't hear for the first two or three years of life when you're developing these critical language skills. And finally, when that was finally resolved, that was when he started developing speaking skills, but he missed out on all that stuff before. So he is not... He's verbal, but he does not, he's not um, easy to understand for most people. I was curious to see if Christy had the talk with Jim on the road to marriage as well. Um, we did have a distinct conversation and it was very early on. It was, it was like within our first couple of times meeting each other about like, like this person will more than likely live with me at some point mm, in life. Yeah, sure. I will not be putting my brother in a setting that I cannot, that I do not know is good for him. Right. So in, in my mind, that means that when dad can no longer take care of him, that he will come and live and be a part of my family household. It ended up being more than well received in part because Jim also has a sibling with special needs. Christy and Jim having these very similar shared, deeply personal experiences help them not only bond, 
but be better able to communicate freely with one another about possibly being in a position to care for both siblings at the same time in the same home one day. It is a possibility that uh, Anna may need to move back into uh, uh, the house of one of her siblings, and that will be either one of my sisters or myself. And and me and my siblings are, are very close, and we, we kind of coordinate all that. Uh, so if it happens, it happens. It's not a big deal. And that was important for me that that whoever I was with would be on board with that. And fortunately for me, like Jim was super easy. He's like, yeah, we might have Anna too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> now, now, when I when I answered you, did, did I make you feel comfortable and that I was a desirable man that you might be interested in? Oh yes, extremely. I was oh, like, oh, okay. that's well, fine. Then, you yeah. love my brother. Yeah. Great. You're you're good with that. <laughs> well, then, 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 yeah, that worked out really well. Then, perfect. I had the pleasure of recently meeting Kim at a panel on special needs. We were both asked to speak at. Kim is the younger sister to John Mark a young man living with autism who cannot live on his own. Kim is married to Danny, who, like Tosan, didn't have any siblings with special needs. When Kim brought up the topic of John Mark's special needs... Exciting for me to know that she had uh, an autistic brother. Honestly, I was pleasantly surprised to hear that he was excited. When I asked him why he brought home the point that autism wasn't exactly a mystery to him. I had two friends that were in my fifth grade year up until my freshman year. I mean, me and these two individuals, their names were uh, Arturo and Gloria. <laughs> and they were like my best friends and, and I was their best friend. And I mean, in between classes, I would walk them to where they needed to. I mean, like I said, they just protect them, acknowledge them, love them. Although Kim and Danny didn't have a conversation about what John Mark's long-term care needs would entail, when Kim's parents asked if they would be willing to care for John Mark, they answered the call. My sister-in-law asked us just months before my mom approached me with the idea of living with him. She said something along the lines of, um, you know, what would you guys do if your mom and dad passed away? Like, what would, what would John Mark do? Where would he go? And I, without hesitating, said, oh, we would take him. I mean... Just I knew. I think the Lord really put it on our hearts before before it came to us because we were it felt like we were really prepared already yeah. when they when my parents quote unquote popped the question. So it was um really, really neat when my parents approached us with the idea and then Danny and I just looked at each other and we were on the same page about it. We were like, let's do it, you yeah. know. For me it was is one of those things where I knew the day would come where I guess the opportunity would surface and so just throughout the years it just mentally, physically, spiritually preparing myself for that day. Um, so whenever she asked, it was, it was a no brainer. I just said, mm -hmm. yep. I'm, yeah. I'm, if, if you're willing, I'm going to support you. Three couples with three different levels of experience in this arena. Jim, Christie's husband had his own personal experience being the brother of a woman living with an intellectual disability. Danny, Kim's husband was exposed to neurodiversity early on in life because he met, interacted with, and became close friends with people living with autism. Tosam, born and raised in Nigeria, didn't really have either types of these experiences. The question I started asking myself was, um, if this is not a new, going on, 
quote-unquote diagnosis or a new condition. And um, the statistics suggest that it should be fairly prevalent. Uh, why is this the first time in my 20, then 25 years or 24, 25 years of life? Why is this the first time I'm really hearing about it? You know, um, it didn't make sense that growing up in Nigeria, I hadn't met anyone on the autism spectrum, none that I could think of. And as you think more and more about that, I think what starts coming to mind is understanding the intersectionality of autism, mental health, and culture, right? And the Nigerian culture tends to be more along the lines of, in my opinion, keep your quote-unquote dirty laundry hidden and and the probability is most likely that yes i did come across families who um, had special needs uh, within the family but most likely the special need uh, member of the family is kept in the background in the village away from the city you know away from society and or the family themselves uh, largely um, would have with, withdrawn from active engagement with society at large. So that is why it was so important on the road to marriage for me to make sure that Tosa could not just intellectually understand autism, but experience it for himself. Having this experience would prove vital to the foundation of us and who we would become together. It's one thing to theoretically understand that. It's another thing to experience that that weekend and actually have to care for Kunle with Wale and, and with you and understand what that meant, what physical, um, um, emotional needs needed to be met in order to make sure he was, he is and remains so his Gajokule is the happiest, happiest person I think I've ever met. Um, but to make sure he was taken care care of, and without that weekend, if I didn't really have to engage with Kunle until after we were married, that probably would is, would would not have been the the best approach to take. So I I vividly remember everything that happened that weekend because it was it was a big deal. Um, you know, you were right to ensure that I, I walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And I needed uh, to make sure that I was able to walk the walk and not just uh, talk the talk. So, yeah, that, that, be, that weekend was huge. We've had many pivotal points in our relationship, but that was probably you know, one of the first two. <laughs> that determined the, the course of this war. We recently celebrated our 13th wedding anniversary in the midst of a global pandemic, so it's only natural to be particularly reflective these days. The compassion, empathy, and advocacy muscles I would build over time caring for my baby brother and Tosan getting on board later on in life, building muscles of his own 
by watching and participating in the very same care at times himself, gave us a set of skills that we didn't realize would later prove crucial in the raising of our own babies. It would be five years into our marriage where I would look into the beautiful, big brown eyes of my then two-year-old son, see glimpses of my baby brother that would make me wonder if history was repeating itself. Thanks for listening to episode two of the Not Your Mama's Autism podcast. Join us for episode three, First My Brother, Now My Son, where we discuss how deja vu was revealing itself in distinct ways. If you like our podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. We're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and on notyourmamasautism.com. See you in two weeks.